Hey everybody, welcome to the Simplicity and Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Josh McAllister. My hope in starting this podcast is to learn more about the people involved, the people who are working every single day to help teams be successful in the United States. Uh, This ranges from the youth level to the collegiate level to the professional level on both the men's and women's side of the sport. I, I hope to learn more about how these people deal with the challenges, how they deal with the failures that they might have in their careers, but also how they take the successes in stride. In addition, I'd I'd love to learn more about the people that helped influence the professionals in our country and how they've influenced them, what made them grow in the ways that they've they've achieved it so far in their careers. Uh, Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast and let's get started. Welcome back, everybody. This is your host, Josh. Uh, I say this every episode, I know, but I am excited about today's guest because we have another person who is working full-time in women's soccer. And I think the more we can hear from people working in men's soccer, women's soccer, pro, college, the better, because it gives us all a, a fuller idea of who's out there and the different paths they take and how they find success. Uh, today's guest is originally from Titusville, Florida. She studied her undergrad at Florida State University before moving on to do her grad school at Liberty University. She's worked for Orlando City over the last few years, but then this year is now full-time with the Orlando Pride. Uh, Our guest today is Christy Edson. Christy, how are you? Good. Thank you for having me, Josh. Definitely, definitely a pleasure to be on. Of course, of course. So Christy, first just kind of talk about, you know, your role right now, what you're doing at Orlando Pride. Um, how the roles, how your role has changed from Orlando, Orlando Pride, just kind of talk us through that whole process. Yeah, so for the last three years, I've been working primarily with the MLS team, Um, mainly started in nutrition, uh, and then moved on to GPS specifically. Um, So got really good at GPS in the last two years in Excel. But I wanted to get back into the gym and strength conditioning. So I had the opening with the Pride. And so I jumped and took it. Um, so now I get to do GPS, uh, all the data science, as well as the strength conditioning and programming in the gym, which, which is what I really love and wanted to get back to. Um, so anything data collection, um, which I was doing before, as well as now I'm running warmups on the field, doing in-stage rehab. So, so I got to expand a little bit more. And- I've had a guest on um, earlier that's worked in both MLS and NWSL, and I love I love asking this question. What do you see are the main differences between working in both? Um, regard any any part of it, the the staffing, the resources, the players. What what are some of the biggest differences you see? Yeah, definitely the resources is the big one. Um, I'm lucky enough to be at a club that that they've done really well resourcing the NWSL team, the Pride. Um, so we've actually moved in to the building that the men had previously. Um, now they've gone down to, to their new building. Um, but being able to be in our own facility um, by ourselves, uh, we have our own gym time. We don't have to schedule gym around the men's team, which I know has been kind of an issue in the past. Um, and then resources for um, data collection um, technology. Um, so we have some bald equipment that the league did a deal with that we were able to jump on. Um, but I know that it's not that way for other teams and for other clubs in the NWSL. We're just, we're just in a very fortunate uh, place with this club. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's good to hear because I'm sure in the last couple of years, there's been quite a bit of growth, but 
do you feel the NWSL still has some areas uh, that it needs to grow if, if the if the sport wants to be where it needs to be? Yeah, I, I would say facilities are, are one from kind of what I've heard around the, the league and other places, um, but it's going that way. I, I definitely see the trend, which, you know, in, in all honesty, people were kind of, why are you jumping to the NWSL when you're already in the MLS? Um, but but I do see the NWSL growing uh, and, and we're going to have, not only is every team going to have facilities, but they'll have start building out their performance teams as well. So right now, like I said previously, I'm I'm the one that does all of it, the sports science and the rehab and uh, the strength conditioning. But, you know, I, I see us moving towards a place where you can hire more staff um, and assistants, um, maybe more um, specific to data scientists. Um, but but that's on track to where we're going. I, I definitely see that in, in the US. No, that's excellent. I, I actually, one of my favorite experiences working in soccer was when I was kind of like you are, where I had to do everything. I actually actually really liked it, maybe because I'm a control freak, but more because I felt like I was always busy and it was great and I was something to do and I was running from the next thing and the days would fly by. But I do, I do understand that it is nice to have a little bit of help from time to time. Yeah, for sure. And I, I'm definitely the same way. I love doing all of it. I love having my hands in the Excel. I love having my hands um, in the gym and programming, but I definitely see already. So, so this is now my, what, fourth month technically going in into the, to the league, but um, I definitely see the need for extra help and extra hands because I can only do things so well um before it's not as good as it could be uh if that makes sense yeah when there's one question i had in mind uh before we started this especially working in um, women's soccer especially in the united states is your best players that represent their national team especially the american players they go off on national team duty significantly more than the men's team do obviously just multiple dates per year uh is that is that a tough balance when you know, and how do you how do you find success in that when you know that this player is going to be leaving for a week here, a week there, a couple of weeks there, so significantly throughout the season? How do you how do you manage that? Yeah, it's it's definitely tough. It's a lot of communication with the national team uh, strength coaches, which I'm I'm learning and navigating currently. Um, that that hasn't been my role previously, but you know having uh, those players make sure they're ready and peaking for Olympics in the middle of our season, right? That's not normally when we would be technically peaking, but I have to prepare those players differently based on what their national teams want. Um, or, or when they get integrated back in, um, do they get a couple extra rest days and now they're coming in technically what would be maybe our hard day, but they can't that's their first day back, um, that they maybe shouldn't do a hard day, a red day that day. So it does, it does get tough. It's a lot of moving parts. Um, and then on the tactical side, you know, the coaching staffs have to have to adapt to that and have their backup team ready, their, their next player up uh, and ready to go. And, and then we have to mentally prepare those athletes to know that in June or July, okay, you might not be starting right now, but we need to prepare you mentally to be starting game after game after game um, not only because you're the next up, but because our roster is smaller at that point. So we can't really filter out rosters and save legs. I love hearing this stuff because this is what you don't learn unless you're in the trenches and having the experience when you went to school and you learned about how to be in the gym and how to 
run just different sessions on the field or whatever it might be, you'll, you'll never get this unless you're in the middle of it because it's so dynamic and it's just so just chaotic sometimes. Yeah. And you've mentioned this on, on one of your recent podcasts, like you like getting some of the younger coaches on your, on your podcast. And I definitely appreciate that listening to some of the coaches um, that have been on so far, the, like I was thinking about it more, strength conditioning can be very daunting. Um, you come out of college and you're like, yeah, I, I know this. I've got all the baseline, you know, stuff that I need to know, the, the book stuff, but you get into it and you're kind of like, what is going on? This is, you know, the the season isn't periodized exactly like I learned in class. Like we've got these international windows where players come in and out. We've got somebody rehabbing. So now they're on a different periodization, like it, it gets wild and you just kind of have to trudge through it and, and figure it out as you go along. So I, I definitely appreciate, um, you know, getting to hear what you have talked about with the coaches of kind of learning these things that you did not learn in classes. Well, it's great because when it really comes down to it, we're all trying our best. We're all trying to figure it out and none of us have it figured out. That's why we have to kind of lean on each other and put our egos to side to, to say, I don't know, I need to figure out how to do this. How did you do it? I like you take, you take my last um, guest, Joey, Joey and I go back and forth all the time, just talking about, Hey man, we got this coming up. How do we approach this? What do we do? What would you do? Take some of our ideas, some of our ideas we don't like. It's just, you got to find people to bounce things off of. Yeah, for sure. And then you do something and in two years, like you, you might think it's the best thing and the right thing, you know, this day, but in two years you look back and you go, man, that was such a bad decision, <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's so true. Well, so Christy, in your, I'm going to say young career, cause you're what, four or five years in? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm sure there's already been challenges. I'm sure there's already been obstacles that you've had to, and I like to phrase challenges, obstacles, not as a negative thing, but just something you had to address and something you had to have a reaction to, to, to keep moving forward. Can you think of anything in particular that comes to mind that within your career has already happened? Yeah, uh, I would say almost getting to the point, not pursuing the career. Um, that, that was probably a big one. You know, my first full-time opportunity came four years after graduating college and that's, that's tough. Um, so you kind of go, well, maybe this isn't for me. I've put in resumes, I've put in job applications, I've had interviews and I'm not getting anything. Do I need to start thinking about, you know, providing a life for myself in a different route? Um, so, so already, you know, almost having a career change before even getting started was definitely um, a tough one. Um, and then uh, getting into, finally getting into the, the pro level, and understanding very quickly coaching changes and how quickly um, staffs get moved around and okay this isn't as steady as you might think that it is so you kind of need to have things in mind or opportunities and people that you know um, that could maybe help you out if you if you needed to so so I would definitely say just the navigating the career as as a whole and figuring out how to provide for yourself um, is probably one of the biggest challenges in strength conditioning for sure. And you said it took you four years after graduating. Why do you think it took so long to get into the, the full-time role? What, uh, what, do you, what do you believe it was? Yeah, I think we're moving to higher degrees um, to start off with. So that was college undergrad. Um, and so I kind of was like, okay, I need to get experience, but I also need to get two more years of, of schooling done um, before I really get looked at. Um, 
So then at that point, it's just, okay, well, we'll go back to school and, and intern, intern as much as possible for, you know, unfortunately, sometimes free and moving to places where you have to do it in eight hours a day and you don't have other ways to make money. Um, so it, it, it's tough. Um, but I, I think that in the past, it's kind of been called a putting in your time. And I think there's a balance to that. But I do think at some point, like, we need to help encourage the field to not be questioning your, a career change already four years in just because you can't get an opportunity to even start at the bottom. Um, so, so there, there, I think there's definitely people talking about it um, and, and things are changing that way. Um, so I, I hope that that continues. Um, so that way we can continue to encourage young coaches to get in. Well, it's, it's true. Cause think of how many good coaches that are out there that were pursuing this career that just stopped that yeah. went into other and they might be having success and other things they're doing but you know the profession is missing out and the sports missing it missing out because I was the same as you you know when I had my first opportunity I moved across the country and worked for free for a year yeah and it was a great experience from a knowledge point of view and a, learning what it really was like but financially and stress-wise it was really really challenging yeah I was I was in a really stressed out place at the end because I was just accumulating debt and I was trying to I was leaning on my parents to keep me afloat and yeah it's it's not how it should be yeah we we definitely want to you know we want to keep the the high standard um for coaches coming in and and education wise but but there needs to be a way to to gain that experience so that way we can develop young coaches for sure mm -hmm. yeah let's hope somebody figures it out <laughs> yeah I don't yeah. have the answer right now yeah, and that's, I think it's a good, like, you know, taking on interns who are in their undergrad, not every internship needs to be someone with a grad level degree, a CSCS, you know, three years of experience, but like, and one thing I've, I've really learned is that internship, especially at the basic level, is to teach somebody through the ropes. Um, so if we can get students to have that experience while they're still in school, then that kind of knocks out, hopefully, two birds with one stone. Well, you made me think of something, this is this kind of makes me look back upon my experience and how I probably didn't do a good enough job is in someone like you who maybe next year can hire somebody or bring on an intern. We have to let these people make mistakes. We have yeah. to not be afraid. That's why the, these intern or these assistant positions have such ridiculous job descriptions of three years experience, master's degree, all this and that. And we're going to pay you a very poor salary. Well, right, right. That, that doesn't work because you want all this because you don't want them to mess up. You want them to be the finished article. You want them to be so great. Well, that's not the deal. They need to come in and mess up. They need to come in and make mistakes. And that's how they're going to learn. And we, everybody, the coaching staff, the strength staff, everybody has to be prepared for that. Hey, they're young. They're learning. They're going to figure it out. So I need to do a better job of it the more you make me think of it. Yeah, and, and I think that comes with the title of intern, right? If we wanted somebody at that level, just go hire an assistant um, at that point. Um, but, but if we're going to take on an intern, um, I think that is our way to pay back to, to the field um, and, and to teach the next group coming up. Mm -hmm. uh, that's great. So I, you've listened to the podcast, which makes me feel good. There's, there's, I know there's some, at least one person out there that, that's <laughs> taking it in. Um, it's a lot of it's about success and high performance and what that really means. I think so many people talk about it. No, we're, this is how we reach success. This is how we get to high performance. Well, I think sometimes those are kind of bloated words because 
they're used so often, but we don't really know what that means. So for you as the sports scientist, strength conditioning coach, maybe you dabble in the nutrition, maybe you dabble in some other areas as an individual first. I know that our success is always going to be tied to the team, but we can have success as an individual. I really do believe that. And it's not a selfish thing. As an individual working in your current role, how do you know if you are successful or not? Uh, I think at the pro level, and this is might sound pretty shallow, but if you stick around, if the if the organization keeps you around, if the coaching staff keeps you around, I think you're doing something well. Um, now, on the flip side of that, just because you aren't sticking around doesn't mean that you weren't successful. Um, that could just be somebody's opinion. Um, but but I do think um, hopefully the organization sees you as somebody valuable to, to keep around. Um, for me personally, uh, now that I'm back into coaching, I, I want to kind of build that um, coaching muscle again, I guess you can say. It's been a while. Um, so, so that for me, building those relationships personally and, and with, the, with the athletes and adjusting on the fly um, and, and being able to have that respect and, and, and with the athlete to know that they're not just trying to get by on something, um, but it's, it's a trust, building that trust there. Um, and then just kind of uh, at the professional level, it, it, it comes with the coaching staff. So um, if the coaching staff has, or if you've had conversations with the coaching staff and, and they've defined for you what, what success means. So um, I know with this coaching staff, they've asked for consistent data uh, and understanding the data, interpreting it well. Um, so that's what I've tried to provide for them um, on, on the professional level uh, here. Mm -hmm. I like that you talked about the, the coaching muscle and getting back into that groove. I, I've been out for a few months now and, I, and I'll, I'll admit one of my biggest fears is when I get back in is, geez, do I don't even know how to do it anymore. Do yeah. I don't know how to talk or what to say or how to cue or so kind of talk about it. Did you have some um, stress and some fear going back into, into the gym, trying to start coaching again? Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, little things like stumbling over your words while you're trying to, to cue something and you're like, wait, wait, just stop, breathe for a second. I, you sound, um, you know, embarrassed in front of the athlete because you stumbled a little bit, but just relax and, and speak to them like they're a normal human being and, and it'll be okay. Um, and then other things like, um, being able to think about the next cue or the next exercise while I'm watching the athlete do what they're doing. Um, so you, you kind of have to have that dual mind moving at the same time, but I've had to reteach myself that. So I kind of am watching and then I go, oh yeah, I have to say the next thing and I'm not prepared for the next thing. So it, it took a little bit to get back into it, but um, it's there, it stays there. <laughs> oh, that makes me feel better about myself. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. It's like riding a bike, man. You'll be all right. Oh, good, good. Well, from the start of your career to now, or just from your undergrad till now, do you think your your idea of what your what success is to you has changed? Yeah, for sure. And, and that comes with experience. That comes with um, uh, so experience on the job, but then experience uh, being introduced to different people. Um, so you have conversations like this one, um, or, or just a one-off conversation if you're at a conference or a game, um, and you just kind of have those conversations, you learn a little bit and you go, okay, well, what does this person think? Um, how are they doing things? Oh, maybe that sounds good for, for my club, but then maybe it just sounds good for you personally, you know, um, as you just kind of talk shop. Um, so 
it's going to change and and i hope that it does uh, i would kind of hope that if you stay the same your whole career that that maybe we're not doing enough to to learn and to read and to keep growing for sure and do can you think of like a, an example of how it's changed a little bit in your career um yeah so that's a tough one um so i would i would go um being successful on the computer was definitely not something that I had ever thought of as a strength coach. I thought it was only in the gym. It was only on your feet, moving and yelling and stuff. Um, but you can be, you know, as a personally, as an introvert, you can be a strength coach that's a little more calm and you can be someone that loves to be behind the computer and, and dealing with um, some of the data that comes behind um, what you're doing to show that your athlete is success successful, not just that you're saying it. Mm -hmm. um, well, that's, that's a good point. Uh, a lot of people don't don't take into account the the administrative skills that you need at this point if you want to be successful. It's not just write down on a piece of paper a program and show up at the gym. It's right. Yeah, there's so much data and so many streams to take in that need to be used. So that's a, that's a really good point. Well, in this point, you're at the Orlando Pride. You're in your first season, four months in. You've learned through the job, through doing the nutrition piece, doing the sports science piece, and then obviously the gym piece. When you look at yourself as a professional and as a person, you can talk on either side. Where can you still get better? Where can you keep growing at? What are some areas you're kind of focusing on? Yeah, um, I, I would say all areas. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and the reason why I said that is, um, I, like I said, I've been kind of thinking about the strength conditioning field as a whole since um, you know you've kind of reached out and. It, it's the strength conditioning field can be very daunting, like I said, in, and I thought of a, a good analogy where um, it's kind of like a, a cave, an underground cave, and you can go spelunking down an area, um, and you can go and go and go, um, maybe down ACL rehab, or maybe down hamstring strength, and then you need to come back up to the top because there's other areas to go down and explore. Um, so it, it can be overwhelming at times, but um, just read a little bit, read a little bit here, read a little bit on this subject and that subject and, and just keep going. Don't, don't let it um, stop you and be overwhelming to where you, to where you just stop in your tracks. Um, and then on a, on a, you know, personal, you know, uh, level just for this year, getting better at coaching again is definitely going to be the hard one. Um, getting more comfortable in the gym, getting more comfortable on the field for sure. Um, and, and I have to grow and get get better at that because um, it's been, like I said, it's been a few years, so. Well, you, you bring up the point of the job has become so broad in the last few years about all the different things you need to know. There's so much crossover with sports medicine. There's crossover with the rehab side. There's crossover strength conditioning, sports science. And there's just so many things you're trying to take in. And there's so much research coming out and there's so many books and these type of podcasts and whatnot coming yeah. out. You're, you're speaking to how you, in an earlier guest said this, and this was a head coach that said this, he said, I got to be a generalist in this, in this world of special, yeah. I need to understand a little bit of everything to be able to do my job. Does that kind of ring true with you also? Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's sad that we kind of put this anxiety on ourselves that if you're not doing a book and you're not reading research or writing research, then you're not doing enough. And, and we kind of put that on ourselves, I think. Um, you know, strength conditioning coaches have to be in the gym 12 hours a day, you, you know, like, hey, you are a person too. like go home and see your family. This is why I think our field is so young because people burn out. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so we have to 
learn that life uh, life work balance um, within our field. Um, but yeah, it, it's definitely hard. Like if you, okay, I'm, I'm not an expert in hamstring research, but I know people that are. So am I not doing enough because I'm, I'm not at that level? Well, okay, but, but I'm the only person, you know, um, that uh, my athletes interact with. So I kind of have to know a little bit here and a little bit there. And then what I don't know, reach out and ask. Like, I, I do think that people are willing to help and willing to answer questions if they have time. Um, and so we, we, we can help each other in a sense, um, even if we can't be hands-on for sure. And have you, have you found a good work-life balance? Um, it's definitely tough. I, I did it yesterday, um, but I was itching to get the computer out today. Um, we, we finally got our schedule uh, for the league, so I've been itching to, to put together the season plan. Um, so, but sometimes you just have to like, don't even get your computer out, leave it in the, leave it in the backpack and leave it in the car if you have to. Um, because it is, you know, it's, it's, you know, a nine month season. Like we, we think about, uh, well, it's just, you know, May to November when, when games actually are, but really we were in, in February, um, getting ready. So, so there has to be, you can't just wait for the off season because the off season is a month at most, you know? Oh, you made me think of something. I'm glad you brought up that you're in a February. How was it navigating that really, really long preseason? It was tough um, keeping the, the players bought in. But um, one thing that I kept telling them um, was from the research that we have from lockouts or from, from other uh, disruptions in competition, um, we know that the year after is very tough on the soft tissue. Um, we know that it's very tough for, for the physios um, to keep players healthy and um, healthy all through the season. There, there tends to be a spike in injuries, um, particularly soft tissue, um, tendons, ligaments. So I was actually blessed um, with those eight or nine weeks that we had. Um, and, and I kept telling, telling our group that um, this is a good thing. I know this is long. I know it's going to be a drag. But trust me, this is a good thing loading wise because of last year being so disrupted. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it almost ends up being more of a, a mental challenge than a physical challenge for, for the staff and players because preseason is a grind for staff, too. Yeah, yeah, and thankfully we had games, um, and it wasn't just inter squad games, so so that helps break it up a little bit. Um, we designed a footy golf tournament, um, uh, you know, on our training pitch. So so we just kind of you try to think outside the box, and okay, we need to get out, get them out, and get moving, but does it have to be an actual training session? Maybe not. Um, maybe you can get just some fun involved. Well, there's going to be a day that you you leave Orlando Pride for whatever reason it might be. You know, mm -hmm. uh, if I go back there and I start talking to the head coach, all the kit the kit man or woman, the the people that cook the food, whoever it might be, what would you hope they would say about you if I brought your name up? Um, well, one thing I've been told, and I actually really like it, and so I, I've been trying to make that a point to keep doing, um, I've been told that I smile a lot at work, which is hard right now with the mask, so hopefully they see it in the eyes. Um, but I, I hope that um, I don't get bogged down by the long hours in the job, and I hope that I keep, keep that smile every day. Like, you come into the stadium and the security worker sees that you're smiling or, or whatever. Um, so I, I hope that that's something that I'm able to keep for my whole career. No, that's a, that's a, that's a new one. I haven't heard that one before, but it, it's a great one. Cause honestly, you're smiling a ton during this interview because I can yeah. see you on zoom and it's, yeah. it makes me smile because you're smiling. It, it's funny how that works. 
yeah, yeah. It's there's there's some sort of um, subconscious thing going on there for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, in your life, has there ever been any advice given to you that is kind of like a cornerstone to, to how you act or something you lean on during challenging times, something you can just think of? Yeah, the the first director that I worked under for Orlando City, um, his name was Pat Tanner. He said, um, control the controllables. And that has stuck with me for the last three and a half years now. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much that you can't control. You can't control the schedule. You can't control flight delays. You can't control the weather. Um, but, but there are things within your power that you can control. And if you put your energy and focus towards those, then that's all that you can ask for at the end of the day. Well, what can you control? Um, you can tr- control programming. You can control your reaction to um, flights being delayed. Um, you know, just because you planned something and that's what your ideal is, doesn't mean that that needs to be exactly set in stone. Like things can be flexible. You can be moved around. Um, an athlete comes in and um, says, "Hey, I'm feeling really bad today." Like y- you can, c- you have things within your day to day that you can control, and maybe, maybe you have that trust with the coaching staff to go, "Hey." We need to update this person's training for today. Or if we can't update this person's training because it's tactical, then in the gym or in the recovery side, what can we do that is more within our um, more within our realm that we can adjust for that player? Good. Well, last thing before I let you go, uh, this uh, it's my favorite part of it. It's an opportunity for you to talk about somebody or somebody's that have demonstrated to you how to treat people, how to do the job, how to act, or someone who's just mentored you or helped you along the way. This, this is your chance to, to raise uh, someone up or a few people up if you want. Yeah, um, so Ricky Keene, for sure. She is the dietitian for Orlando City. She was the one that um, brought me on first as an intern and then really stuck her neck out there to, to get me on um, on staff. So she, I talked to her a couple times a week. Um, but it was every day uh, last year and in the years before. Um, so she's definitely one. She's very professional, um, you know, handles interns. I've learned a lot about how to, to teach and what to expect from interns through her. Um, and then the last one I'd say, never actually met her, um, but again, back on the intern conversation, Stephanie Mock. Um, she's out of, I think she's at Mississippi State now. Um, and she is doing really good um, with interns and training. Um, and, and so that's kind of where I'm on this intern track because it, it keeps getting uh, kind of hammered around um, around me. Uh, so, so I'm kind of, can I step up and, and help the next group? And I just want to bring, talk about this before we close. I'm talk, talking about interns quite a bit. When you bring somebody on, do you foresee kind of a, a starting plan, what, what would that conversation be like with your intern when they came in the first day? Have you thought about what you would say to them and how you're gonna outline, this is what we're doing, this is how we're gonna progress? Uh, have you had that thought yet? Yeah, and cause I, I brought on a couple. The, the one that I really push first is, um, you know, just kind of how to act uh, in the professional world, but then how to act with some of these players who are celebrities in a sense, right? Mm-hmm. So, so you do get nervous when, you know, a certain player is coming up and you know you've followed their career for the last however many years. Um, so, so just kind of having those conversations of like, hey, they're normal people. Um, please don't ask for an autograph. Like if we really, you know, maybe we can handle that at the end of the internship, um, but you're here to work and you're here to be a coworker to that athlete. 
Um, so, so just kind of how to go about that, that balance of working with the athlete, but also being a fan, you know, maybe of that athlete. Well, Christy, believe it or not, you're the first person I've had on the podcast who I haven't, haven't worked with at some point. Every, <laughs> other, every other person of the, the first 11 episodes released I've worked with and, or I've known through some just side-by-side -side experience. So I was a little nervous going into this because I do want really good people on here that I feel like are doing things the right way. And I leaned on some recommendations to, to have you on, but you've been fantastic. I've loved listening to you. I'm excited for other people to, to, to listen to you and to gain some insight from a woman working in professional soccer, which we talked about before the podcast started, there aren't enough yet. And I hope that raising up people like yourself and others doing it, we can keep pushing that forward. So thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, it's, it's definitely been a pleasure. Um, and then, you know, just meeting other people who are, are in the league. I think sometimes we get um, so focused on our day-to-day -day that we forget that there are other people outside of our silo um, that, that we can absolutely reach out to and, and just have a nice, fun conversation like this one. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Christy. Good luck with everything this year. Thank you. Thanks again for taking the time to listen. I really do hope this podcast was able to help you in any way, even if small. If you really enjoyed it, please share with anybody, family, friends, throw it on one of your social media streams. Uh, it always helps to spread the word. Thanks again. Mm -hmm.